Welcome to B2B Tech Mindset, where we explore how technology drives business success. Join us as we discuss the latest software solutions, trends, and strategies that can help you stay ahead of the curve, develop a tech mindset, and learn how to leverage technology for growth in your organization. And welcome back to a new episode of the Tech Mindset Podcast. And today we are going to discuss Agile. And Agile is a Agile is an interesting subject. I recall that when I began my my journey here in Germany in in gaming, we were doing Scrum pretty early on. At the beginning, we had a mess. It was it was kind of crazy. And then at some point, we decided that we wanted to have Scrum, and we had. Uh, a, uh, a burn down chart and all these tasks. And, and, and then we had a, a meeting, a stand-up meeting every single morning. And for a while, it seemed that we had a structure in the project and it might work. But, and everyone was pretty confident that by having this super structure way of operating, things will work pretty well. But then the project was canceled and my big lesson, the project was canceled because it was going nowhere, et cetera, et cetera. There was some other, other reasons for that, but it happens often in the game industry. But to me, for me, the main takeaway was that Agile doesn't guarantee the success of a project. And I will leave it, no. I, I will leave it there and I will let you build on top of that because <laughs> Many people use Agile as a religion, and I want yeah. to start it with this, you know, with this experience that I had, and then I also experienced many other projects that were not Agile and were successful. So for that, I get started like that, and then yes. you build on top of that. <laughs> there are a lot of people that get the Scrum book and swear by it on the top with the right hand on top on top of the Scrum book. So basically that you're using an agile methodology in your company that will be Scrum, Kanban, Hola Crazy, whatever thing we're using, it doesn't guarantee any success at all. At most, it gives you a common structure that everybody can operate with, like the teams can operate with. Uh, on in some complex contexts, like you have multiple teams, then you can actually synchronize those teams um, in the same cadence using a Scrum, on, on using like like high level Scrum. So all the teams are doing a Scrum when you are doing like a high level cadence of a Scrum on top of it. Like everybody have the same sprint size, everybody have the same release dates, Everybody has the same retrospective. You can do also a big retrospective like once a quarter or whatever, but uh, no matter what you're using, it doesn't guarantee success of any project, any product, anything that you are doing. Again, for me, it gives you a structure. And I always laugh when um, other industries that are not software um, try to try to be agile um, and in some ways, like, I don't know, manufacturing. Like you got, you have definitely manufacturing for me. Um, it's a cascade. Oh, you, you can also do cascade. Just like, like everybody was doing in the eighties, on the nineties before Scrum, everybody was doing cascade. Uh, yeah. It's like you finish one thing and then you go to the next and then you go to the next and you go to the next. When you have to actually wait for the for the previous step to finish to continue the, the other one. So it was pretty much a disaster to use Cascade. But uh, the manufacturing industry is like, yeah, you have to have the raw materials. You have to chip the raw materials at some point. And it's very difficult to, to mount all that process and then put a, a Scrum process or, or an Agile process on top of it. I think the idea of Agile, or well, first, first, Agile is a pretty cool name. I have to, I have to give them that by saying that we are going to use a process that is Agile. Everyone think, at least what I think is a, is a is a cat. It's like a cat that is jumping. Wow! And 
and things are gonna work. <laughs> yeah, it's agile. So you know, you think someone who's doing a somersault or or a, you know some gymnastics, something crazy, yeah. parkour. So that's that's what I, that, that's what crosses my mind. So it's lean, it's fast, energetic. And the word is flexible. Yeah, it's flexible. It's all these attributes uh, that imply that this is going to be with high probability of success. And many of the principles of Agile on paper, I mean, and I'm I'm not here to criticize the process. I think that there have been many no, things no, no. That, that work pretty well. And especially in software, it might work because of the nature of software. You can't just drop throw away all the code that you wrote yesterday if you notice that you know things just don't work the same the same thing doesn't apply to manufacturing at least not in the same stand it's true that today manufacturing you have uh, vr and you have prototyping in 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 vr and you have digital twins and you can kind of run in a similar experience but still it's not the same thing but i have to again going back to the to the name i have to give them that that the name of agile is a pretty cool marketing uh decision because uh, it, it really builds this image in everyone's mind i think one thing that i i learned that for instance, the idea of Kanban and, and this continuous improvement that comes from Toyota and this, this Japanese mentality, this, this Shinkansen mentality of, of uh, continuous improvement. If you improve this philosophy that if you improve 1% every single day and you are disciplined about that, well, 1% every day, it compounds exponentially over a year. And if your teams have the discipline and the tenacity to build that way, then probably it's going to be very successful. But the most important thing is the discipline of the team and also the leadership of the team. And I don't know to what extent you see that in today's application of Agile. Um, well, let's start for the, let's start making the difference between like the, for me, the difference between uh, Scrum on Kanban is like um, uh, Scrum is a push method, so you're pushing tasks like your product owner or your, your Scrum master or whatever is like pushing tasks in the weekly planning to the team, so the team have to decide in the weekly planning what they want to do for the sprint, uh, in the sprint planning sorry, not the weekly planning, the sprint planning on Kanban if more like a pool, you have a backlog, you have an hopefully a prioritized and organized backlog when the team is depending on the capacities of pulling tasks for the backlog into the Kanban board and actually working this way along the way um, that implies in software that you have a continuous release continuous deployment and all that stuff that you need also infrastructure for that so um, like your release and go to market process has to be also um be done according to the agile method that you are using so that's for for me very personally the the two difference um i want to go back a little bit what you say about agile on the locks cut like jumping in the air or whatever it's like it actually gives you certain flexibility that you need like you are compartmenting your work in like let's say in scrum like like two week sprints is nowadays standard. And you know for sure after the two weeks, <clears throat> sorry, you will gonna have something to release, right? And if you release something the in two weeks and you realize that the market change, then you can actually reorganize the backlog and do the next sprint totally different as the one that you that you did before and focus on origin stuff. I don't know if you have an escalation for a customer that they find something that is not working quite as expected, you can introduce that in the next sprint without waiting to the whole process. Like you can prioritize that, um, estimate and introduce that into the um, into the next sprint. 
without too much hassle. So in that um, in that way is is very flexible. Because if you have a cowboy style, as uh, we used to call it in my my first company here in Germany, what we had, we didn't have anything, no Kanban, no Scrum, no nothing. This is a cowboy style. Like everybody was doing what they knew they have to do. Um, and, uh, that is a little bit more difficult to plan for for these changes in the in the market or the product or the landscape. Yeah, that's that's true. Again, I mean, I mean, what what I found interesting about the whole agile story is that, at least in theory, I recall when I was when we were doing it, and from what you're saying, I mean, I've, I have not been doing agile development for years now because uh, the the teams have been working, especially in the analytics world, they some use some form of agile but usually it's not something that that comes up very often but nevertheless uh the the experience that i had was that yes the the workload get structure and where i saw that the most value was generated was actually in the process of assessing risk during the sprint. So how do you how do you align your resources or how do you distribute your resources according to the things that are more important and that the risk is measurable, that you can really understand, well, we can really get this thing done or we can't get this thing done, therefore we are going to split it in smaller things. And the ability to get that assessment that risk assessment from the people from from the team members that are actually going to execute the task that i found powerful at the time mm -hmm. but uh besides that i mean but that led to really long discussions that you know obviously you have techniques like time boxing you decide well we are going to use so and so much time discussing this and we are use so much so and so much time and trying to accomplish this task if not then we then we pivot and we do something else but but it was at, at some stages it was draining for me i don't know what what is the stand what is this what, what is people doing today has that changed how is the whole risk assessment how people prioritize things today when they're yeah. using one, any of these agile techniques? Well, um, basically in all my companies, after the first company that we started using Scrum back in the day, uh, after what I've been always in a Scrum team or a Kanban team or whatever agile methodology we were using. So pretty, pretty familiar with that. Um, what you were saying about assessing the risk is basically the um estimation so you can estimate how much the task will last if the task fit in this in the sprint or you have to divide the task in two uh, to fit in two sprints or you have to put all the effort of the team in that task or whatever so estimation is also where you are saying that the discussions happened very very long so yeah that's true that will depend on the team on how how the the politics of the company, the team, the product, the uh, lobby, whatever it is, uh, also happen. It's also political stuff. Like the estimation is also political stuff, because it's basically um, a negotiation between the development team on the counterpart. I mean, management, product management, etc. Into what to deliver by the end of the sprint. And they can be stuff like usually. Um, product management on, on management are not technical people in my experience. So they have to rely on the estimations that the development team give them to actually approve or not and say, yeah, we, we prioritize. If you can deliver that in this sprint, then we have to prioritize. If you cannot deliver, then, oh, we have a problem, whatever. This is, it's a lot of politics there. What Agile actually, in particular, is Scrum with all these ceremonies. Ceremonies, I mean, like 
sprint planning at the beginning of the planning, like daily uh, meetings every every day, uh, retrospective, like release uh, meeting, etc. Demo, uh, spring demo. So all those ceremonies that uh, a Scrum bring itself to, to the process are actually very good to communicate because I'm going to put you on a, a very simple example, like the daily meeting. Daily meeting is a maximum 15 minutes with everybody say what they did yesterday, what they are going to do today, or if they are blocked. So that is a very, very, very important question. If they are blocked, because that will solve the problem that before, uh, if someone was blocked, when he was not communicating, that was blocked, he was blocked for days. And there was no way to actually solve that block blocker and actually move forward with that development or that stream of development. Um, right now, since, since all the team is, is in the daily meeting, when somebody say you're blocked, then everybody has the opportunity to actually find a solution altogether. Usually you find a solution pretty quickly. Or you chief the focus. Okay, you are blocked on this. You are waiting on external information that has nothing to do with this team. Then you can focus on this task. You shift the focus to others. And so it, it's a lot more agile in that in that information exchange um, in that way. That is something very very positive that I find it all all, all the time. That's that's it's, it's fascinating to to hear from you that that has not changed in in fifteen years. <laughs> and it's still and it's still I hear all over the place that people find that really innovative when they are and I'm wondering is is, is not there I mean have been any improvements to the methodology in in the last uh I don't know 10 years like this this is there anything new that has happened there well me personally since I um uh the last years I, I have it's me who is actually driving the process as Scrum process, right? Um, because we're we are working like with uh, with a development team who have also a, uh, um, a Scrum process. So we basically align parallel with what they are doing most of the time. Uh, and in my case, I can I can get rid of some ceremonies, like. I actually I only need today like one meeting at the beginning of the week, one meeting at the end of the week. So I get I can get rid of the dailies. Um we don't have demos, spring demos, because we do uh, have actually ad hoc reviews with product management or with development. So it's kind of a demo for us. Like we do the design. And then we demo the design to the other people all the time, so to get feedback on to solve problems and stuff. So that's why we we actually don't have demos. Um, I will do maybe one or two retrospective a year, but not by the book. Like uh, yeah, what went well, what went bad, what can be improved, and all that thing that uh, retrospective gives some. But I will. I like to do it in a more informal way. Like uh, I will ask, like anonymously to the older people in the team, like what is bothering you, what went bad, what went good, etc. But from their perspective, and they can actually take the time or write the thing anonymously, and then I, I can I can digest that information basically. But yeah, you can streamline the um, the Scrum process as much as you want, like I do. When it's actually pretty pretty comfortable. Like I don't I don't bother my team with, oh, you have to have this ticket in this ticket system with this structure. You have to be worried that to close it in the spring because otherwise, the churn rate or the burn rate or whatever that is will get uh, decreased. Or, but no, I don't. I, I don't bother my team with that stuff. Like they have to do work on then, of course we have tickets. Of course we have a ticket system. Of course we move the tickets across the board, but that is secondary. It's not like primary. 
Yeah, because I, I noticed what, what I learned when we were uh, building software using that methodology is that some really interesting game game theory dynamics began to to arise when people began to make pressure uh, to put pressure on the team in the development team in the estimation because then people begin to overestimate things by default so if they knew that in sprint one they they fell short then they will overestimate in the next sprint and then they will try to oversell every single thing they do to the to the stakeholders so if you had a product manager that was coming to the meeting they would say no 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 that task takes forever and 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 then really weird games begin to happen like loss of trust and people trying to negotiate those things and that's that's why i think it's it's a fine line to walk uh, for everyone to to make it actually work and to have estimates that make really sense it's like those burn down charts i mean yeah they are kind of good but uh but the the i think the the main challenge is that the metrics that you are observing there are generated by the team and and it's the subjective estimation of the team and that's that's not always helpful. I, I I guess that there are ways to apply analytics to the whole mix and and to have a more accurate estimation of how fast things are gonna really get done. But I don't even think that's the objective of, of any teams. So people, I, I guess, they don't really want to be that that accurate. They just want to have a process that runs and people feel they have they have a cadence. But yeah, I saw I saw this this very strange game theory driven behaviors in teams people behaving in funny ways just to to get their way uh, in the process yeah, yeah. And, and there is also like feature creep like the team agrees to do x amount of 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 features in this spring and then the managers or pre manager come at the middle of the spring with oh this is urgent we need to we need to do this as as well so it brings a lot of stress to the team as well. So that also happened. But um, I will recommend if you want to measure the what you are doing, don't measure it by line of code, don't measure it by feature release, because you don't know if the feature that you're releasing, like the, the if if you if there is something that that your customer needs. Hopefully you did the research before. What you are building now to release tomorrow is something that the user needs. Uh, so hopefully that's the best case scenario. Um, unfortunately, it's not always that, uh, that that simple. But I will focus on measuring actually by the end user. Go ask the end user if what you are releasing on the piece that you are releasing is enough. And if they say it's not, then go back and change something at the beginning. So don't try to measure oh we do we do an excellent we have an excellent process because our our burn rate or whatever metric you are using for for your scrum agile thing is is right but at the end of the day you are releasing like meaningless features that are the ones that you actually fit into the spring like changing a color here or changing um size there uh that is your whole spring and you release that that doesn't make sense for in my opinion so it's make more sense like measuring actually the impact of the feature that you are releasing with your end users yeah i i that's that's an interesting one because now when you were uh discussing that subject of you know how what to optimize for i was thinking well if if you are in one organization that is building a product and is also going to operate that product because there are teams that are building software that is going to be sold to an end customer and then they are not going to operate that software so the business is different they are not um, actually operating that but if they do then i think it's important that all parts of the team play together 
And what I mean of the team, not only the team that's doing the scrum, but all the different parts of the organization are playing together. That I think that's the fundamental part because say that you're releasing a new feature because you were planning something, then you run an A-B test because you are not sure or the product manager is not sure if people is gonna like the red or, or the blue button. And then yeah. you have to run an A-B test and suddenly you decide, oh no, people like this kind of behavior. And then you need this loop, this uh, feedback loop that that has to drive somehow what people is doing in the development team. And also you have, you see other things like FinOps, you know, looking that that team is also aware of the financial load that the development is causing or that when that product, when that software is going to production, what is the impact? How is that related with the amount of cash that we have? How much is that related to the cash flow that we have? How much are we burning? How does that express us in terms of how productive, how agile are we in terms of pivoting, changing direction? So if teams are building something that they're operating afterwards, it gets pretty interesting. And I think this goes back to the idea of the, the lean startup and this old, all this lean philosophy. Mm. But it can get pretty complex. And I think in many aspects, it's work in progress. I have been lately reading something, some data engineering material, pretty, pretty recent. And, and they were looking at all these aspects. And it's, it's interesting that slowly, for instance, the, the data engineering world i mean not not slowly not and not not too recently but you know it's moving towards this also this agile kind of development but still you see that there are many there's a lot of friction in many components there because it's it's hard to have these short release cycles especially for instance one 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 scenario that i i, I see that agile is particularly complicated is in the data science teams because in data science, you are doing more something like research and development. So it's pretty hard sometimes to estimate how fast are you going to be able to solve problem X. And sometimes it's not simple to decompose a task in smaller tasks. Mm. So, and that's one space that at least in the past, I noticed that it was kind of hard. Now you have technologies like AutoML and you have processes that you can say, well, you know what, I will, I will, I will throw at my problem all these machine learning models and I have an automated way of doing this. And therefore I could have an estimation of how, how long it's going to take to, to find a model that is feasible for the problem that I'm trying to solve. But, and then you have things like ML, ML ops that help you to support that process. But I don't think agile or, or particularly these, these agile methodologies not always map really well the things that teams are trying to accomplish or organizations are trying to accomplish. And sometimes I see it's kind of forced into it. Like, okay, let's, let's split what we're doing in sprints. Let's, let's do these, these meetings. Let's have uh, measure whatever we want to measure but it's kind of forced into the, the nature of the problem. So that's that's something that I've noticed, especially when one goes beyond, you know, normal software development and just building a product. Yeah. Um, well, it, it also doesn't mix, like Scrum doesn't mix that well with design because design is a creative, process so you have to iterate you have to come up with many ideas and then test those ideas and see which one works better and after you have the feedback maybe you change you to one of the original idea you mix two so basically the more time you have the better the design gets in the end but if you have a constraint of two weeks to finish one feature then you will end up with a compromise and same goes for development if you are throwing a very very complex thing to the development team that you have to finish in two weeks. Um, they're gonna take shortcuts and they're gonna increase like the technical depth at the end of the day, at the end of the spring, they're gonna release something that works, but they will have a lot of hacks and a lot of technical depth in there. Same with the with design, we, uh, we if you have constraints, 
time constraints, you will deliver a compromise, not the best solution at all. Yeah, so, that's, yeah, that, that's mm -hmm. that's kind of like the challenge that I see. That sometimes it's being it's it's being forced into into scenarios that is is it, it doesn't always map that well. Like like for instance, if you are building a web an e-commerce product, mm -hmm. agile probably is going to work really well. But if you are writing software for a microcontroller for the chip that an airplane needs that cannot fail, uh, yes. <laughs> then, you know, you know, then waterfall might probably be the way to go <laughs> because you want to make sure that that thing really works. Like if you are building, uh, you know, the design of an ASIC chip to run uh, machine learning embedded in, in in silicon, uh, you know. It, it, agile is it really the right solution for, for the yeah. problem i'm yes. not really sure yes. Yes. you know i'm so, not really sure there, yeah. i'm not really sure so i i think yes many people wanted to like like translate that to other domains and i think in many because to be honest to be honest most of the software that is being written is crud operations so you are creating reading updating deleting stuff from another way yeah. You have a front end. You have pretty, pretty uh, standard architectures. You can use a template from somewhere and then take it to your project, and it's gonna work. And most of those cases, yes, you can make an estimation, and yes, you can be agile because at the end of the day, what you're tweaking is color, design, layout, that sort of thing. And I, you know, yeah, my work. Most of the products, yeah. Yeah, most of the products. I mean, if you are in e-commerce or uh, particularly e-commerce, which is e-commerce you know, is, is, is all it's all the same. It's just it, it's a big the chunk front, of the what front store. Do. The front store changes. You know, or, or if you are in app development or mobile app development, that that sort of scenario. It, if, yes. If yes. you are building, for instance, also enterprise software, which essentially is moving data from A to B and doing some transformation and putting there and then going back and doing some other stuff and then moving the some data calculations back in between. Yeah. yeah, that stuff, like probably you are fine using Agile. If you are going to other domains, again, my, my favorite example is always, you know, the chips that an airplane is going to use or a rocket. <laughs> it's like, well, well there is also... <laughs> well, there is also medical software or medical hardware like you have to be very careful with that like transport transportation like cars and stuff like there is also lighting if you don't want the, your your light bulb to explode over your head when you <laughs> connected it so it's a lot of stuff that actually use very simple software uh that the is actually very risky so um, that's why I do like um, Kanban more than Scrum, because in Kanban, you can take the time to move like one feature from one extreme of the board to the other when you actually take all the time you need to finish that feature in the right way. So in a concrete situation, like you are in a pretty standard situation, software development, you have your um product management team they start writing the features in a common way when they are finished they move that to the backlog of the designers the designer picks from the backlog they design the features they move that feature to the to the bucket in the in the development and then they just take it of course in one of the steps of the camera, there will be like reviews or whatever. And after that, they can release only that feature that will be part of the um, so-called continuous release. So, right, like you don't have to release like every month at the end of the month of every Monday or whatever. You can do actually continuous release all the time. Um, that will be for me, my ideal scenario. That's why if in all the places that I have the luxury, of selecting the way of work that we that my team will do, that will be Kanban all the way down. Yeah, Kanban is is um, is um, it's kind of funny. It comes from the from the Toyota factory uh, methodology, right? I mean, I th I think yes. 
and again, I mean, they they had this this uh, because because I actually I I was interested in that subject for a while where the whole thing came from, and and, and again it was this this incremental improvement, and thing is that it got distorted into this uh, in, in German you say Laufbahn how you say that in in English is the oh production line yeah production line. And you know it's it's this production line way of operating that you just you know you, people keep getting tasks and people begin to produce, and that's that's fine that's that's, that's cool. But I think the the main idea or, or the original idea when you go and read kind of like the annals, you know, the the, the where the whole thing comes from, uh, is uh, this incremental improvement. And the question is, have have you experienced teams that Try to focus on that. They try to get better and better over time. That they they look at themselves and they see, well, how can we optimize here and there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, all the team does that. If like if if uh, if uh, any user discover a bug, then you put that into your backlog and you fix that and you release that that bug fix. That is actually an incremental improvement. But if you follow like the Kanban methodology, like every day you can have your 1% incremental improvement because you're, you're releasing a new feature or a bug fix or something else that would actually increase the quality of the product somehow. So it's the, the, the principle that you're talking about, about this incremental improvement, uh, constant improvement is actually there. So. It's actually there also in in Canva, in, in Scrum, sorry. In Scrum is also there, like, but in more bigger chunks. Like you release a bunch of stuff at the end of the two weeks. But how people know that they are improving? Well, to know that you are improving, you have to measure. What, what like, do they measure? <laughs> as I was saying in a chapter before, and was said a couple of minutes before, it's like you go... When actually you see what your end users are doing. If you are using telemetry uh, on analytics uh, of the behavior or the usage, not the behavior, the usage of of your user with your software. So how long it takes to complete these tasks, of how often they use a feature, or how how is the completion rate, how is the success rate, like if they do it right. If they have to break it in the beginning when they start all over the game because they forgot something or they didn't understand something. So basically, it's analyzing how your users are using your product. How well or bad is your product helping the user to use your product? Actually, it's measuring that. That's actually a good way to, to see if you are releasing the right features. Like, for instance, if you release something, and after one month, like nobody click on that menu option, then you basically wasted all that money. So nobody's using it. That 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 would be a way to measure things. I mean, by by usage. But I I was also thinking because, but but this is much. It's come. It's more complex than that because. I'm thinking about the the case. Well, up to what extent is the development team, which is the one that is being measured by the whole agile process, responsible for a feature being built or not? So they get from some stakeholders, this is what we want, this is what we think that we should have. And and then the feature is not being used. It might be that technically the implementation of that feedback is flawless. You know, there's no problem. Like from, from the craft, uh, the, mm -hmm. from the craft, from the point of view of, of how well the engineers are building the product, it's, there, there is nothing to complain about. However, the feature was not being used. So there is the, a mismatch, if you will, between what you measure and, and the craft that the engineers are having. And I think an aspect that is also interesting is that, for instance, product design is less influenced by this continuous improvement because their, their cycle 
to measure these things is much bigger. You know, you have a Scrum team that is going to have a software delivery every two weeks, right? You decide that your spring length is going to be two weeks, so you're going to have, you know, you're going to put in production something pretty soon. Now, how how does product development thinks about that? And I, th I think one of the reasons that probably, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting as a reflection that the projects I was involved that were using Scrum were not that successful, was that we were developing that software in a vacuum, especially the, the game we were trying to build, we were building the game in the vacuum. So we were not really releasing to players, but we were releasing to some stakeholders in the company. And that was not real, real feedback, like real life feedback, because there was, a, again, this disconnect between the craft, what we are doing, and the mm -hmm. feature set that we have, that is, is not the same thing. And I think that, to me, it feels a little bit that there are two parallel tracks that they're running. They're somehow connected. You know, they are somehow in, in, in synchrony, but they don't have the same period, how you say that, uh, period or peri periodicity. I think periodicity Cadence. is the right physical name, yeah. Or, or cadence, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's for me one of the challenges, that that usage of a, of a feature doesn't mean that the craft itself was wrong, not necessarily. No, 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 no. The feature can be like, like made, pristine with no technical depth, no box, whatever. Like the team uh, did a very good job, but uh, also and, from I the mean, and, and in fact, if you have things like DevOps, uh, mm -hmm. you are really making sure that every time that you commit, that everything that you commit is clean. You know, you don't break anything. You have functional tests. You have all your unit tests. Uh, you deploy the whole thing. So you, you know, like technically, you know, it's going to work. So how does that match the whole product development story? How, how agile influences that other part? Well, you can have like 100% test coverage, but if the feature that you have your product crap, when nobody's using your feature, that, that doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't matter. And that comes, uh, but then we, we are a, 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 a little bit higher in the, in the product development sphere, like thing that will be like backlog prioritization, product strategy, et cetera, et cetera, which usually is not done by um, product development, not, not often. Like you have your managers, you have your, probably if you are a small company, you have your CEO, who decide the product strategy, and after that you have a couple of, of projects or product management. You name that depending on your organization that you are, but it's basically um, kind of the same. Uh, and they actually go to the product, or they prioritize what the product needs to do next, or the, the feature set that it needs to build. Um, hopefully, talking to clients without a lot. Uh, a whole set of information that they should have, they prioritize the backlog, basically. And then the development team gets from the backlog and actually release that, like deliver that. Um, and then it's the tasks on the craft of the product slash PM uh, uh, project management to basically do the right thing at the right moment. So. That's 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 interesting. Again, I mean, I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around it because I, I I think this is where probably this methodology uh, marries agile, agile as a I mean not agile but the lean lean customer or a lean lean development in general. I think this is where the two things come together at at some point. But yeah. but to me, at least to me, the the bridge is not that clear. I think. Um, like I recall, I recall there was, I had this colleague of mine, he was telling, well, uh, there are some uh, product teams or that they make the decisions is, is ego driven. Uh, so it's like, it's like, oh, I, I try, I try to convince everyone that that feature is, it makes sense. 
not because I have evidence, but because I can uh, talk uh, really loud. I can really, I can be really loud in the in the discussion, and yeah. and and many times I think, well, how how these how is agile complements the other functions so the whole organization is lean so the whole organi organization move moves fast because at the end of the day lean in that in that context is a little bit a synonym of agile i mean if something is lean you know semantically yeah. chances it, are that lean, it's, 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 it's flexible yeah. yeah yeah well at least at least it goes where the wind blows. <laughs> you know, at least, at least that, or where where the the stream takes it. So yeah, yeah. But but that's for me something that that it will be interesting to explore a little bit more to uh, trying to understand. Okay, well, how how Im imagine that now you have this pristine developer team that does everything, it is perfect, and then how does that translate to the other part of the company? How how people make the best use out of that so all the whole organization is agile it's like is, is there a way to be agile say at the, at the meta even a uh, meta layer you would say in the meta level um well again it depends on the product strategy so um the higher you get in the organization the longer the cycle gets like when you go up then the in the organization then people are thinking in quartals or not in springs for instance so the higher you get in the organization the the longer these cycles get because the connection with the day-to-day -day work get a little bit less so you can have your ceo thinking in like yearly goals or quarter goals you have you can have your controlling on hr thinking about quarter goals and you have then your development team thinking about scrum on releases and versions of which is a, a very a, a more faster faster way so to for the strategy to reflect in the day-to-day -day development is where I have to say a lot of company have a lot of problem doing that. Like for the management, so the high management, the upper management part of the team, like communicating the strategy in a, in a clear way that actually the last developer know what they are doing is actually speaks. It's one part of that strategy. So that's pretty, pretty difficult to achieve. Even in small companies, from my opinion, it's pretty difficult to achieve because you have so many layers in there. So, um, and what you were saying, like the um, whose decision is what it comes into the sprint or not. So, from my experience, you can have like one product product owner or scrum master that actually um, is in charge of prioritizing on grooming the backlog all the time. So it's doing research with the customers. It's doing research on the market. It's actually the backlog is at all time prioritized. So in the next spring, you get the more urgent stuff at the top. So in other contexts or other organization, like on the spring planning, the whole team, like you have the backlog, which is unorganized. When you have when you make the whole team go to all the features and actually prioritize the one that's the team, the whole team again, things that are important for the product. At that point, it takes a lot of knowledge from the team for the product, for the market, for the end customers. A lot of the whole team has to have a, a, a lot of knowledge to operate in that situation so usually it's easier and cheaper and faster to have a product owner scrum master to do that job to prioritize and organize the, the backlog hmm. but but still that that belongs to to the team to you know to 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 the team that is implementing 
implementing things. But I was I was thinking, well, is it is it possible to extrapolate how this works to to the whole organization? Like uh, like you know, imagine that you have a set of goals and you you say, well, we as an uh, as an organization, we want to accomplish this in two weeks. And then we run a sprint where all the different players are involved. And then this cascades in different hierarchies. It's like, you know, you have this, mm -hmm. this layer, this layer organizes, and then this layer cascades. Is that, is, that, is that a model that might work for some people? Or is that, is that something that is not, is not feasible? Uh, I don't think so. It will work for the whole company because the, it works for small teams because the product manager, the, the scrum master is chopping stuff or make it like in doable pieces, right? So you have to have from the, from the top level, uh, you, uh, you get the strategy, like the example is say, okay, let's increase, let's get, put it very simple. Let's gain 10,000 customers this sprint, right? This is a pretty, um, it is a goal, like you can, you can, um, enunciate doesn't mean that you can't achieve you can enunciate that but then you have to have even though the same people who are enunciated a goal to divide it that in what really means for every part of your organization so for hr that means that we need like two new people to take care of the of the uh, sales for instance and then you have to hire those people and what mean for development? Well, I mean that you need to deliver that on that feature. So you have to translate that goal into actual actionable items to for other part of your organization to do. And again, that is actually the problem. Like most organizations cannot articulate that pretty well, top to, to bottom. So like a lot of information get lost in between and then um, you get a bunch of uh, middle management who actually start doing their interpretation of the goals. So what they think uh, they should do, which is actually this, the ninety percent of the of the of the cases what uh, people expect, like the CEO of the company expect. Like uh, if they say, okay, let's increase like um, our customer base by ten thousand in two weeks. They expect like the other managers below him or her, like figure it out in themselves what they need to do to achieve that goal. Um, it's as simple as that, but that doesn't work in the <laughs> in the in the day to day. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's it seems that is. I, I guess that's the reason why uh, agile is um, at the end of the day the business of being an agile coach is such a profitable. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I think there's always room for 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 discussion and and trying to and, and, and I mean not pun intended but to evangelize people uh, while they're doing this because this uh, scrum I mean agile in general it's uh, I mean has this really I mean you're working with people you're trying to align people and and then it's it's is trying to make people come in the flow and that everyone behaves in a in a predictable predictable manner and they people get sort of educated into yes. how they they get you know productive but i guess i guess one one good thing that speaks about the methodology and, and you know i i sound probably a little bit skeptical about it but i i have to admit that one strength is that it has is is ubiquitous, so it's almost everywhere, and probably that's testament of the fact that yes, it is effective, and there are many success cases that support the fact that yeah, well, if you use agile, you probably are going to have. Uh, you are going to elevate your, your your chances of success in whatever endeavor you're doing that involves software, uh, at least software development. So I think that's the best 
that's the best way to assess, at least for me, that's the best way to assess that the method is working for most people because most people get, you know, keep doing it. And I see it like when we began to play with it, again, that was 2009 and there were not many, many teams playing with that. And again, it was in the game industry, which in the game industry, you take a lot of risks and you try yeah. new things. But now you see it in actually in, in big enterprise companies that are not IT companies. So that's the way that their mm -hmm. IT teams operate now. And to me, well, it's again, with, you know, with being under the risk of repeating myself, it's, it's a proof that the whole thing seems to be working. Yeah, um, I mean, it, 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 it's a framework with a lot of um, advantage for a lot of people, like for the, in theory, for the developers, like they commit to something and they kind of be sure that they, that they don't get like knock on the door at the next day, oh, you need to do also this and this and that. So it's basically, okay, I have this fixed amount of work that I can do in two weeks and that's it. Uh, I will do it in two weeks. For management, on the other hand, there is an assurance and a commitment that they're going to get something by the end of the sprint in two weeks. When if they don't get something, then they can analyze on why they didn't get something. But at least they have like, instead of running around and asking every individual developer when this feature will be ready, uh, they get a commitment that they're going to get something in, uh, after two weeks. And that's also why a lot of organizations like Scrum, because they like to have that certainty, when I put like air quotes on it, um, that they're going to get like something at the at the end of the two weeks. And that is actually how they measure if people are doing their work or not, uh, which for me is the wrong way to do it. But um, a lot of people is that, okay, you deliver the feature uh, no matter how, at the end of the sprint, and that is what counts. It doesn't matter if you have to jump a lot of hurdles and do a lot of technical depth, if the feature is buggy, if the design is a compromise, or the feature is wrong because you don't have time to test it, for instance. But you deliver something. That is for um, a lot of managers, I will say, like the more important thing. Like, okay, we committed to this in the two weeks and here's the thing, this thing that we did in two weeks. It doesn't matter, but we did it. So here it is. Well, I think I think that's that's kind of fair because what people need to understand is that the definition of customer is is very fluid. If if you are in an organization that you are creating a delivery for uh, department X and department X sells that to the end customer, still your customer is department X. If you are building something that department X is going to use. I know it sounds kind of abstract, but, but I think that's important to understand those dynamics because sometimes, and that, and again, that goes, back to what we were discussing previously about you know the feature that you requested is perfect but no one is buying it well that's not that was not my problem my customer yeah. which is the stakeholder said i want this i delivered this so he paid me whatever currency he's going to pay me back uh say trust confidence whatever it is and then the stakeholder that i delivered this piece of software then is going to give it you know it's going to forward this to the end customer and perhaps the end customers decides yeah this is what i want or this is not what i want and in in that in that chain of command so to speak uh, then the one that might go broke is the <laughs> is the stakeholder is not you but you know but you know yeah. by extension at some point you also get broke <laughs> but, 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 you know, it's like you, you can reframe things and see them in that way that you think, well, you know what, uh, actually my stakeholders are my, my customers and they just demand this from me. They want this, this, this product I'm delivering that to them and it's up to them to, 
uh, sell it to someone else. Yeah. Which which reminds uh, me of, of something that we wanted to also talk at some point here, like a, like a, a DAO, a distributed uh, autonomous organization, because that would yeah. be actually a pretty good that would be a pretty good uh, way of building things in some organizations. It's like you know, uh, that is a different animal. Yeah, that's a different animal. But you know, if I'm building something and then I give it to you and and you are not you know, this is the wrong thing to build. Doesn't matter that I build it properly, but if yeah. we, if it's de decentralized and you're paying me for that and then, you know, it's up to you to deliver the thing, well, uh, perhaps people have more skin, skin in the game. And by having more skin in the game, they make more sensi sensible decisions. Yeah. Um, basically, I haven't, I haven't seen... So... One thing I wanted to say, I forget it till now, is like your customer doesn't care what type of methodology you are using. Your customer cares about the quality of your product. So that is the end in goal. So that has to be clear. Uh, on other thing is like I the products I have seen failing is not by the methodology you are using or whatever, is because other products have a better market fit. So that's at the product that fails because other product comes and actually take their market share with a better market fit, a strategy and better features or faster feature or easy features uh, for the same users. So those are the products that have failed. I don't see product failing because they are using Agile or Kanban in the run or the right way. Well, um, but you, you can, you can argue that the ability to react and adapt to the demands of the market depends on how fast you can pivot. And that's a consequence, or you, you can make the claim that that is a consequence of using an agile methodology that allows you to pivot, say, every two weeks because now you reprioritize the things that you observe that in the markets there is demand for. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's absolutely right. If you are able to foresee or see or read the signals the right way. Yeah, so I, yeah, that, so, so that's, that's what I think it's, it's the, it's the, it's perhaps the unique selling proposition, but again, if if you are in a in a scenario that you are building something and that something you are building is not you are not presenting that to the end user, then you run the risk of not getting the most value of the process. I mean, if yeah. your if your if your release cycle is once a year. Yeah, once a year. And, and 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 I don't even mean like internal releases because you know some companies have internal release cycles, then they have um internal test groups and yeah. and they give feedback. So I'm not even I don't even mean that. I I mean if no one is going to use the product for say 6 months and and then that's that's your release cycle, but still you're using sprints of 2 weeks. I think there's no real point on on you know on going that path. I think you get the most value of the whole thing when of the agile methodology when you are battle testing your product. And by battle testing, I mean you're presenting that to the end customer, they're using it, they're giving feedback. If possible, you're actually measuring how they are using the the features that you develop. And then you yeah. reiterate on that, but well, we know that that's that's not always possible. It's not always feasible, but that that would yeah. be the that would be the ideal uh, scenario, at least yeah. for me. Um, on also going back to the lean startup thing methodology is like if you're going to fail, fail fast so that you know that you failed, you can pivot, you can. Yeah. change stuff you can modify and tweak stuff so basically if you want to just release the thing that you are developing as fast as possible so you get feedback as fast as possible and you can improve it in time so that for me is a very good way to 
actually maintain this market fit that I was talking before that some companies and some product uh, lose. It's like actually keeping releasing uh, stop with uh, with velocity and keep like getting feedback from the customers. Yeah. Yeah, I think we we've we've covered a lot. We already, yeah. I think we went over the 50 minutes mark. It's it's a it's an interesting subject because it's at the core of how many things, many products that are, you know, especially enterprise products are being built. Even if enterprise products don't tend to have really short release cycles, like it, it no, usually, very few. Very, very few. Very few. That's that's true. So so it's it's it's, it's it's an interesting subject, and many many companies use it. It's at the core of how they build software. But I, I think the really interesting thing will be how close you get that, or how, how integrated it is with the whole the whole ecosystem. But it's been it's been an, a, a fun conversation. It's especially for me to realize that it has not changed that much in the last nothing, nothing has changed in the last fifteen, 15 years. years in it's, the in, in the front. I mean, the software that you use for that change, Max, uh, actually not much because we are still using the same software. So pretty much so. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's basically the same thing. It's the same name, by the way. Uh, so we are I, nothing changed. Yeah. I think what 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 is a little bit more mature now is the whole DevOps. I mean, we also had DevOps in the past. We had yeah. all that, but now I notice that those tools are much more refined and you also have uh, containers, containerization, and you have, uh, you know, management of, of containers and there is more, there are many more abstraction la layers to the whole mm. game. Yeah. And at that time, I recall it was, it was the beginning of that journey, but, but besides that, not really much has changed in a significant manner. So it's... No. Yeah, I mean, continuous deployment or continuous releases have improved. Like the the tech to do that have, have improved a lot um, in the last year. That that changed, but the methodology to work like Scrum, Kanban. I mean, we haven't talked about the 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 uh, the other ones like Holacracy and all the other methodologies that our companies are using. Um, they're also out there, but they are a minority. Maybe we do a, an episode of, on that as well. Like yeah, alternative to to um, not standard, but um, how do you say classic agile? Hmm. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's definitely something we can also touch on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think with that um, we want to wrap this up, and then as usual, like this thing, share it. Uh, write comments if you have any, because that is feedback that we get, and then we can keep working on that. You know, we we want to improve what we are doing, want to improve the content. So if you have feedback, if you have any any ideas that we can uh, implement or we should do, then please let it somewhere in the comment, give it a like, share it, uh, tell your friends, yeah. tell your friends, and and then see you next week. Today, All see right. you. Bye bye. See you next week. Bye-bye.